It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. The Call is brought to you by CMC Markets, a world-leading online trading platform for CFDs and shares around the globe. G'day and welcome to The Call, 10 stocks picked by you two experts, one hour. It is Wednesday, the 5th of October. I'm Andrew Gagan. Great to have you with us. And our two experts on the show today, Andrew Wyland from DP Wealth Advisory and Mark Gardner from Macro Capital. Welcome to both of you. Mark, I'm going to let you catch your breath. You're literally running. It's that sort of market at the moment, isn't it? It is a little bit, yeah. <laughs> um, Andrew, let, let me ask you first. Um, look, a really impressive rally. Uh, not often uh, that uh, the RBA uh, rocks the world in terms of its its moves. Um, is it a sucker's rally? Yeah, two swallows a summer does not make Andrews. So uh, as in yesterday and today. Um, so look, it's, it's great. I'm, I'm certainly happy to see a bit of a, re- a relief rally. One might argue it's a short covering rally because as you um intimated the RBA, everyone had good money on the RBA going 50, only went 25. And you certainly, I think all eyes really need to be on the US Fed and, and what they're up to, US dollar strength, etc. So I welcome the rally, sort of clawing back some of that 7% loss that uh, we suffered in September. But uh, as we know, September and October can be tricky. So uh, we are just actively watching at the moment. All right, actively watching, Mark. Um, what are your thoughts on what we're seeing over the last couple of sessions? Yeah, look, frighteningly similar to the sort of June-July uh, lows as well in terms of the pattern, uh, the gap up in the VIX. Um, and then, you know, the amount of times I've seen over the last sort of 20 plus years where a rumour comes out, like the Credit Suisse one on the Monday, and when the market's at lows and you know, there's a small capitulation and then a bounce out is, you know, fairly countless really. So sort of getting out the last of the, you know, the week longs, I suppose. But then uh, pretty surprised about this rally, uh, particularly that, uh, you know, even uh, pundits from the US are saying it's uh, RBA, RBA driven. But I think it's more what the RBA going by 25 yesterday sort of really presents a more reasonable case um, that, you know, if they, if central banks have an opportunity to pause, they would probably prefer to, um, because they don't want to be just driving the economy back down into the dirt after all the stimulus and the pandemic and things like that. So, um, taking a breather is probably their preference um, if they if they can. So, but yeah, look, this this sort of spike rally and the pace of it in mm. a bear market probably concerns me more than anything. If it, this had happened over a week or a week and a half, yeah. Um, I'd be more confident, but certainly not over a two-day period. So, um, but look, we we were we were just basically finishing off, you know, at reallocating um, anyway. So mm. we're happy to see the rally. Don't get me wrong, but you know, I'm still still pretty cautious overall. So yeah, it's the hallmark of that volatility that remains at the moment. All right, our uh, 
Stocks we're going to be looking at in the first half of the show, BHP, Ansel, Sayona Mining, Computer Share, and the iShares Consumer Staples ETF, IXI. Now, our um, stock of the day, not out of any particular news that we're seeing, but it's one of the best performers today, James Hardy, uh, stock up around 8%. In fact, uh, it is the global materials and manufacturer, one of the uh, being one of the best performers. And um, Andrew, I might start with you then, what you're seeing with James Hardy, and I guess in that building materials sector, given the slowdown we're seeing in property, of course, and how that's likely to affect it. But then, I mean, do we stop renovating um, in these uh, times of um, when uh, the economy starts to falter? Yeah, we've discussed before, Andrew, uh, I think I tried to pick on you about being a renovator and you uh, corrected me, so uh, I won't make that mistake again. But uh, look, I, um, I'm, a bit, I'm a bit cautious on James Hardy. Uh, I mean, again, as we can see, that price action there, that's pretty spectacular today. 76% of their revenue comes from the US. And to Mark's point, you know, really what's going on in the US at the moment, we've got a fair bit of noise because we have US midterm elections coming up pretty soon. Uh, and after all the contention of 2020, how's that all going to play out from a political perspective? So, and we've seen prior to today, uh, their share price down 34% for the year relative to the share our market, which is only down about 4%. So it's been a pretty strong underperformer. If you look, though, at the underlying numbers, like they've got a very strong return on equity. You might remember, Andrew, that's one of the things I like to look at. Strong ROE at about 52% ROE, 17% margin, which is pretty good. And it's trading well below consensus. Consensus is about 43 bucks. But then we sort of turn our mind to the PE, which is 13 times. So, you know, it's not eye-watering. I think the market's around 16 times at the moment. But you've only got forecast EPS growth of about 4%. So our friend, the PEG ratio, where we're trying to buy companies whose earnings per share growth is greater than that PE ratio, it certainly fails that measure. So on balance, 76% US, you've got um, sort of all that sort of US exposure, as I just spoke about before, PE versus EPS. I, I think it's a hold. I probably wouldn't be selling into this rally given the big divergence between uh, consensus and the share price, but I can certainly see plenty of headwinds in the short term. So mm. it is oh. All right. Yeah, Marcus, we can see the share price essentially regaining back to essentially, I guess, where it was early September. So just recovering some of those losses. So I guess we should bear that in mind, given what we're seeing today. How are you looking at James Hardy? Yeah, I'd agree with Andrew. It's a hold for now. Um, I think that that US exposure, obviously, um, you know, it's, it's probably the most likely with the Fed going fairly aggressively to... Um, to have a recession um, based on the twos tens being a very reliable forward indicator in the US, uh, nearing the sort of minus 50 mark, which I think is about a 20 or 30 year low. So, um, so look, I've, yeah, I think it's, I mean, it's already sold off about 40 odd percent this year. Um, they, they do have great return on equity. Um, they, they would have uh, some fixed costs, um, you know, they would have been hurt by inflation with some, you know, some fixed cost stuff, obviously, that's going to market now um, on, a, on a bit of a lag. So there is a risk that their next reporting, maybe their margin maybe hit a little bit. But um, look, I, I'd be, you know, I'd be watching the economic numbers into the end of the year. And look, the more likely we are towards a soft landing, I think the more, more inclined you'd be to accumulate on this one because it's a high quality company. But um, I think you, you really need more data to probably to commit to this one at the moment. There's, there's more than enough, um, you know, solid, safer options out there. Um, 
that will yield about the same um, that you can probably pick up at the moment um, and not have to you know not have to worry about it. Yep. All right, James Hardy. That's a double hold. All right, let's get into the stocks as picked by you. The first one is the biggest of them all, BHP. Uh, it is the diversified miner. And Mark, just looking today, it's up oh, just under uh, 1%. Uh, and of course, you know, I guess we've got to focus on what commodity prices are doing at the moment in the face of um, central banks raising rates. And we have seen, obviously, a downturn in the global economy. Yeah, look, I mean, China's already there, though, and that's, you know, their major customer. So, um, and we're probably expecting, you know, there's already been a trickle feed of um, very targeted stimulus from the PBOC. So if China starts to turn around, I think, you know, um, I think and, and as well, steel demand for uh, switching in, you know, the renewables transition, etc. Um, obviously, that project uh, for the potash, even though it was at a $5.7 billion cost, um, over there in Canada, I think they're going to get, you know, at current prices for that potash uh, first year, they're pulling back, you know, uh, nearly $5 billion in revenue. So, you know, it's a sort of scale project that really only BHP can do. Um, you know, it's, the management's really smoothed out. You know, there's been a couple of, you know, great management stories, BHP obviously being one of them, but, similar, you know, Elders is another one where management's actually been very proactive over the last decade trying to smooth out um, the earnings from boom and bust. Um, BHP's obviously going in the right direction on a, on a long-term bet uh, going into, you know, fertiliser. So, um, well, that potash pro- with that potash project. So, um, overall, I'd, yeah, it's a staple of our portfolios. Uh, we've, we've been topping up over the last couple of weeks. Um, we're probably slightly overweight. Um, be fairly happy to buy it here overall, uh, and I, I don't really see the dividends pulling back dramatically um, over the next 12 months. So if there's market volatility, well, look, I, you know, you can you can cry into your into the into your dividends with your yeah. with your franking credits, etc. So um, yeah, no, very happy to hold it. Mm. Uh, very happy to buy it here as well. Yep. So. Okay. Yeah, Andrew. Um, obviously, pretty hard to avoid if uh, you're holding you know a stake in the index there. So how are you viewing? Is it a buying opportunity as far as you're concerned? Yeah, it is, Andrew. And frankly, if, if this goes bust, then Mark and I don't have a job and sorry, neither do you. So, yeah. uh, you know, it's it's pretty, pretty solid. Uh, and I like it for all the reasons that just Mark, Mark just spoke about, you know, that decarbonisation thematic, that electrification thematic. Uh, it's uh, more ESG friendly by virtue of that uh, Woodside demerger. Uh, or demerging its petroleum assets to Woodside. So uh, PE of eight, 7% fully frank dividend, trading near consensus, but uh, I agree. It's uh, I, I, There's only a couple of direct shares held in the uh, famous Sarand, Andrew and Sarah Superfund, and this is one of them, mm. so it is. Yep, okay, there you go. That is a double buy for BHP. All right, on to our second stock. It is uh, Ansel. Uh, Max wanting to know about this, um, asking, uh, have the good days come and gone? I own a small parcel. Should I sell? Uh, of course, it is. It's one of the world's largest manufacturers of safety gloves. Sort of came into its own, I guess, during the height of the pandemic, given its personal protective equipment. But we have since seen um, it. Uh, its uh, revenue has fallen since then. I guess as those COVID-related demands have have come off. So, Andrew, can you uh, can you answer that uh, that question as to whether you should sell now? I don't think it's a sell, but it's certainly not a buy. So I guess that means it's a hold. I guess so. Um, yeah. 
I guess it's a hold. Um, but look, the, the, again, there's lots to like about this business, but I looked back at my notes the last time we covered this, which was from memory about 12 months ago. And the first thing that stood out to me was that the margin was 12% then, we're now back to 8%. So that speaks to inflation, it speaks to supply chain, it speaks to uh, manufacturing costs, et cetera. And I think that's why, as you can see, share price down around 20, 21% for the year. If I go then to five years, it's actually up 5% per annum over the last five years relative to the, and again, all these numbers I'm using in Australian share market, the Aussie share market's up about 7.5%. So, you know, from that point of view, it's, it's, it's okay. Consensus is about $28, where are we at the moment? About 26.50 odd. P of 13 versus EPS growth of nine. So again, fails that peg ratio test and that falling margin and a 10% return on equity. I mean, that's okay, but you know, your gold standard that you're looking for is around that 15 plus. So it's okay, but I'm not sort of overwhelmed with, with excitement, with enthusiasm. So it's a hold. Okay, Mark Ansel. Yeah, for all the reasons Andrew just said, it's it's a sell for me, really. Um, You know, over a five-year basis, it's underperformed the index. Um, And at the moment where we are, you know, um, we've sort of fallen off a rather large cliff this year. um, And we're in bear market territory, you know, whilst this might be relatively safe, it's not, you know, it's certainly not going to rocket out of these lows either, you know, towards the, you know, when we get back to another bull market run, whenever that is. So... um, I don't really see any point holding this one, and that margin compression as well. They sort of bungled a little bit of inventory um, over the course of the pandemic, which I mean was probably you know it was a tough period. But you know you you want to have all hands on deck and manage your inventory perfectly when you're uh, you know when you've got a like company um, opportunity of a lifetime basically with the pandemic. So. Um, I'd, I'd be I'd, I'd be selling this and, and looking elsewhere. I mean, even you know, I'm not not much of a fan of just a simple index ETF. But mm. if, if on a five year basis, this thing's returning two percent less per year, um, you, you're probably better off you know, in in something else. I think uh, that's you know a little bit more diversification. So there's nothing particularly excites me. It's around about analyst consensus, and you know there's there's a good two hundred stocks that'll bounce harder. If if we turn around and that seems to be falling with the market, so um, so yeah, no, it's a it's just a sell for better opportunities for me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, all right, a sell better opportunities. Let's see if those opportunities lie back in the resources sector because we're heading back there. Uh, say on a mining, Jamie wanted to about this. It is uh, in the lithium space. So we know that's been on fire recently. It's come off today along with many other lithium uh, companies, despite uh, the rally again we're seeing. Uh, today, uh, recently had a pre-feasibility study uh, launched into um, production of lithium carbonate at uh, the North American lithium operation. Uh, there are plenty of those out there at the moment, Mark. So how does Sana Mining fit into your reasoning? Yeah, I like this one. It's location, uh, obviously being in, it's the largest um, spot I mean in North America uh, resource. There. 2023, they'll be uh, in production, or they, they say 23, 24, but um, obviously the sooner the better, uh, as we've seen with the, the likes of Alcom and PLS that are now producing, they're taking advantage of those prices. So I'm sure that um, there'll be every every effort to get that uh, mine up and running. Um, the CapEx isn't very onerous for this. It's called a brownfield uh, mine. 
Um, so you know, it's you know, it's not deep hard rock. Um, so there shouldn't be too much. You know, the the risk of a of a budgetary blowout shouldn't be um, very high. Um, this one and core lithium essentially were pro are probably the two the next in line. Um, I like the geographical location, obviously being in uh, in Canada as well. Um, obviously, that reduces the uh, transport costs, etc. So, um, so yeah, look, this is one that you, you probably. I mean, yesterday I think was trading around about twenty two, twenty three cents. Um, this morning got up to twenty eight cents. I think it was down by the time I left the office. So, you know, it's certainly one that you uh, you'd you know. If, if you've got a low th uh, threshold of pain, I wouldn't be playing in this space. But um, but it's you know it's certainly you know this or core lithium. If you you know if you can buy on a dip, probably not up here at thirty at the moment. But um, yesterday, probably a different matter. I think they rallied uh, those lithium stocks rallied about ten to fifteen percent yesterday. Yeah. So um, they're just sort of having a bit of a breather. But you you can see from the it's been up to about thirty eight cents. I think like at the start of last month or middle of, middle of last month. So it does move around. Um, but yeah, if you can if you can pick some up around the 20s, I think it's very good. Um, look, here, right here today, um, you, I think you could, it's a speculative buy, um, but you know, it, uh, it will move around. You'll have to have a fairly large, um, you know, fairly wide stop and, a, and mm. take profit on it. So uh, I wouldn't be allocating huge amounts of cash to it. Okay. Andrew, a specky buy, what are your thoughts? Well, it's a Queensland company, so I think that itself <laughs> speaks for itself. Well, I, I don't probably need to cover much, much more than what Mark said, because uh, he's covered it really well. Um, look, I, uh, I don't mind it, and for all the reasons that Mark has covered off, the location, about to start production, Piedmont is one of the major shareholders, but paying these sort of prices where everyone's feeling a little bit more... Um, excitable you want to be buying this on a day of pain a week of pain uh not where everyone's euphoric so from my point of view uh it's a hold uh again i agree probably in that sort of low 20s is probably a better risk adjusted return um and of course it wouldn't be the core without a gratuitous etf call out and that of course would be acdc which gives you exposure to a wide range of companies in that whole battery space including miners uh, and that to me is probably a better way to play that. You've got those sort of 30 names that you're getting exposure to rather than trying to work out whether Pilbara is better than Core Lithium versus all the others. And I'm not casting aspersions on any of them. They've all got their pluses and minuses, but Andrew the Boring, buy a basket, more, um, better risk adjusted return. So it's a hold. Okay. All right, let's uh, move ahead to computer share. Simon Mornington about this. Um, it's been up around what 30% over the past year in fact um, with the, I guess the potential given its business model that it can uh, collect cash from businesses before then handing it out to investors so um, perhaps um, standing to benefit in a high interest rate environment Andrew computer share what are your thoughts don't mind it but it is pretty not fully priced, but it's certainly well on the way. And again, it's another one of these businesses where ROE is okay, 13%, um, margin 10%, it's okay. Um, but, and even if you look at the PE, the PE is around 17 times relative to the market, which is 16 times. So again, really good business. 
uh, as you spoke about before, you know, $102 billion in dividends paid in Australia over the last 12 months, and, you know, ComputerShare would have their hands on a fair bit of that for the short term. Um, but the price action has been pretty aggressive. Probably the one thing that would save it for me is that the forecast EPS growth over the next 12 months is 19%. So, again, it actually passes that peg test, um, P of 17, ROE growth of 19. So. I think it's a hold simply because I don't think there's enough margin of safety between where the share price is and consensus. But again, a little bit of pain. If you could sort of buy it in that 23, even sort of the low 24s, it's uh, it's probably worth a look at. But at this stage, I think it's a hold, Andrew. Okay. Mark, do you agree? Yeah, pretty pretty boring show today. We're agreeing on just about <laughs> everything. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a little bit high for my likings. Um, you know, it'd be one of those things I'll probably regret saying it's too high in three years or something like that because it does tend to be you know a fairly consistent grinder um but yeah i, I it's you know, rising interest rates are going to help these guys um but yeah I, I, you know the as andrew said well basically put perfectly the margin of safety is really not there i mean it's completely priced to you know for nothing to go wrong um you know and i it's just really one of those things that I just don't feel the need to play, um, you know, at near record highs when the market's getting pretty hammered. So, um, it, yeah, it's it's not it, it's just not for me. I, you know, high quality company, um, consistent earnings, interest rates will benefit it. But um, yeah, I, it's one of those ones that I, you know, I've, uh, I think you'll get better returns elsewhere. Um, and you know, like I said, if if one one or two things go wrong, it's not. You know, it's not of the spectacular uh, at these prices. Um, so, you know, so it's had its run because I mean that has been impressive over the past. Oh, it's year. been it's been really impressive, and you know, credit to them. And um, yeah, but at, at these prices here, I'd be I'd be preferring to buy on you know buy on a dip. I think it's pro- you know it's getting getting towards the point where the risk returns really not in your favour. What what to the point where you perhaps sell it? Um, I think you just you could uh, looking at that chart. It's a beautiful one to run a trailing stop on. Yep. I think overall, um, and you know if if rates do normalise um, a, a little bit higher and the economy you know gets gets to grips with that again, obviously this thing will just continue to to uh, you know plod plod on. So um, you know I think you can probably set a trailing stop somewhere. Uh, you know, somewhere around that sort of 21 to 20 mark and then just, you know, follow it up as, as it grinds higher yep. um, and take your dividends. So, um, but yeah, it's it's a hold for me. Yep. Uh, I, I don't think I could be initiating a position up here. Okay, so it's uh, both a hold on computer share. All right, let's get into the ETFs and we're going to go out of order here because uh, Mark, excuse me, but that's fine. We'll, we'll go to the, uh, the ETF specialist. Uh, we're going to take a look at the Consumer Staples ETF, IXI, um, that uh, well, it holds the likes of Woolies, Coles, uh, Endeavour Group, uh, but also um, has a basket of uh, companies out of the, the States, the UK, uh, Switzerland, Japan, France, in fact. Um, so, okay, Andrew, over to you. What are your thoughts then on IXI, the Consumer Staples ETF? So if we sort of circle back to how we started the the, the session, the, uh, the the show, the podcast, depending on how you're consuming this content, and you sort of said, how are you feeling about the world? Uh, and I said, look, we're probably a little bit cautious at the moment. One that we're very comfortable holding in this type of environment is consumer staples. So uh, products that uh, will be consumed, there might be a little bit of... Um, 
movement in the demand, but generally people are going to continue utilising their products. And so that's where this style of ETF really comes to the fore. It's not going to shoot the lights out. It's not going to be sort of a, a lithium flyer, but equally so you're not going to be sort of crying into your beer, seeing things down 30 40% in a year as well. So that's why we quite like this one. Um, as you said, it sort of tracks that S&P Global uh, Consumer Staples Index. Uh, it's got names like Procter & Gamble, Nestle, Coca-Cola, Costco, Walmart, Unilever. So all those sort of recognisable consumer staple names. Uh, over the last 10 years, it's returned about 11% per annum. So again, that's certainly nothing to be, uh, to be sort of sneezed at. And the MER, the sort of the cost of them running it uh, from our friends at uh, BlackRock iShares, uh, it's around 0.46. So it's probably sort of middle of the pack. It's not super cheap. We'll come to a super cheap ETF a little bit later in the show. But uh, 46 basis points for what you're getting in the context of that global diversification. Uh, and as you said, Andrew, US, UK, Europe, Japan, etc. So to me, this is, uh, pun intended, a staple a defensive holding in this type of market. It's a buy. It's a buy. Of course it's a staple. <laughs> Wouldn't expect anything else from you, Andrew, a core holding there. So it is a buy. Mark, what are your thoughts then? Because or would you prefer to go direct just as far as some of those staples are concerned, particularly locally? Um, yeah, we've been buyers of, uh, of uh, Woolworths, um, sorry, Endeavour, yep. not, not Woolworths, uh, Elders and Grain Corp over the last couple of weeks as well. Um, I sort of prefer those that direct exposure. Um, nothing, just not to say that there's anything wrong with this. It's a good, uh, it's a very good way, particularly for smaller accounts, to be able to get a diversified, um, you know, a diversified exposure without sort of having to pay a fortune in brokerage. So, um, it's good from that aspect. Um, this would be the sort of thing that, you know, the earlier you can sort of consider this sort of that staple sector, you know. You, you've really outperformed the market, say, if you've, if you've made a switch out of, you know, the, the tech stocks uh, into this, like at the start of the year. I, I, I think if we're, we're um, you know, it's a good place to hide while the market's very volatile. And while VIX remains above 20, it's, I think it's probably a pretty sensible place to be in that staple sector. Um, but, you know, as we, as we start to find some stability and, uh, and markets get used to, um, you know, the higher rates, et cetera, um, I would probably be sort of switching, you know, switching out. In my mind, it's kind of a place to hide rather than, yep. you know, um, while still sort of being allocated. And with elders and, um, you know, elders uh, endeavour and um, and grain call at historically low PEs at the moment and yielding quite well. I think it's uh, with some upside growth in them. I'm, I'm sort of preferring to be in that space. But yep. um, but look, yeah, it's a yeah happy. You know, you can happily buy this. I think we're somewhere near the bottom. Um, I'm not, definitely not calling the bottom, but, um, but you know, you're still going to get a really good result out of this and, and, a, and a big margin of safety. So happy to call it a buy, uh, but I, I would probably prefer the individual names generally. Yep. Okay. All right. Well, let's, um, let's summarise where we've been then for the first half of the show. Our stock of the day was James Hardy. Uh, both have a hold on it, on the building materials um, company there, uh, Andrew pointing to it's particularly focused with some 76% of its revenue coming out of the States. Um, Mark saying uh, you'd probably look to accumulate if we're heading towards that or a soft landing. It's not a given, is it? Um, all right. Our first stock as picked by you, the, the big one, BHP. 
Um, both have a buy on it. I mean, it's hard. You can't avoid it. Um, uh, Mark uh, looking into a China turnaround there, and um, Andrew, you know, mentioning that uh, decarbonisation, the the electrification of the planet, which uh, where BHP is well placed to take advantage of. Uh, Ansel, a hold from Andrew, a sell from uh, Mark, saying it's been underperforming the index uh, over the past five years. In the lithium space, Sayona Mining, um, a speculative buy from Mark, uh, probably prefers uh, core lithium at this point. And Andrew's got a hold on it. Um, of course, he would go for the ETF, which would be ACDC in the battery metal space. Computer share, a hold from Andrew, uh, a hold also from Mark, but potentially using a trailing stop there, uh, given it's performed so well over the past uh, 12 months. And finally there, that uh, Consumer Staples uh, ETF, uh, buy from both. All right, let's uh, have a look at our portfolio because we are tracking our own high conviction fund, which is picked by our investment committee. The latest episode of that is live for you to watch at osbiz.com. So let's check in on the update. Heading into October, Ardent Leisure, that was removed. Bapcorp was trimmed. Uh, to be added to Solpats. Uh, Incitec Pivot was trimmed as well. Seek was added with its weighting funded by Ardent Leisure and Incitec Pivot. So let's uh, check the performance thus far. It's up 1.6% on a cumulative return basis uh, since its inception at the beginning of March. Uh, we've obviously done well over the past couple of days. I don't know that we factored in today's moves, but uh, obviously given that dramatic move we saw yesterday has helped. So keep sending in your requests. Keep the call switched on to see which stocks our committee will be looking at next. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while. And although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools. Plus, our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. Well, speaking of next, our next five stocks, we'll be looking at PWR Holdings, Dexas, NextDC, Borrell, and Australian Shares Index ETF, VAS. All right, so into PWR Holdings. This um, from uh, Scott wanted to know about this. It is Peter Warren. Um, for those of you in Sydney, it's Sutton Motors and the like, the largest car dealership there. Uh, Shares done considerably well, in fact. Also some movement just as far as stockholder notice there. Um, uh, SMA Motors has picked up about a 9% stake in the company. Mark, what are your thoughts on uh, PWR? Uh, I've got P, um, PWR Holdings, actually, instead of Peter Warren. But um, Oh, sorry, but my mistake. It's a, it's a, it, it is a common mistake, but... Um, yeah, just to, uh, you know, Peter Yeah, Warren, I've got the wrong ticket code there. Um, but PWR is obviously the uh, high performance um, car parts are involved in Formula One. Yep. Uh, not unrelated. Cars. <laughs> yeah, no, not unrelated, absolutely. Um, and look, this one, obviously, you know, it's very specialised, very niche um, and a really good company. Uh, but... You know, if you have a look at the chart, the um, essentially it did get down to about it's trading around about nine dollars. It did get down to about six. Um, 
The reason for that volatility is it's got an extraordinarily sort of high PE, uh, particularly compared, it's about three times the industry mean, uh, median. So, um, but price targets as well are around about that $10 mark. Um, this one really, you know, it's, it's not it's it's not the company necessarily that um, you know that that makes me not necessarily want to buy it. It's it's more so the market conditions. I mean, this is the sort of thing that if you're looking at the at the key stats like PE, um, you know, and and things like that, it's it is quite expensive, and you know, and as we saw back in June, can fall very very quickly. Um, so I'd, I'd be preferring to buy this sort of on dips or waiting for another earnings season. Um, this is probably the sort of thing that would be at 13 bucks if we were you know, in the market conditions we were at last year. Um, so I'd probably, probably rather be a little bit patient with this one. But, um, uh, but yeah, overall, uh, it is a very good company. It's just, it's just a little bit expensive at the moment. So um, I'd probably just say if you've got it, hold it. Um, if you're looking to buy it, um, you know, be uh, putting some cash aside and waiting for one of those horrible days that'll, yep. that'll inevitably come about five more times over the rest of the year and as we drift from optimism to pessimism back and forth. So uh, I think you'll get better opportunities to buy this one. All right. Gee, can you give us the bonus then on Peter Warren as well? <laughs> no, no, right. but uh, I, uh, <laughs> I did have to double check. Yeah, right. Fell for that one. Um, it is a common mistake, obviously, because of the ticket code there. Um, okay, Andrew, what are your thoughts then on PWR Holdings? Yeah, well, again, it's another Queensland company, so that's a oh, big tick in the box yep. immediately. Um, but uh, as Mark says, there's, there's lots to like about this business. Uh, being an F1 fan myself, uh, I really do like this business 90% of uh, F1 companies use their products. So certainly uh, that's a pretty uh, ringing endorsement from that point of view. Uh, if I was to channel my inner Henry Jennings, which is uh, feels a bit strange to be frank with you, uh, I would probably nibble on this one. So in other words, just sort of have a little bit of a hold, but to Mark's point, uh, if there was to be an O-bother moment and the, uh, the wheels started falling off the market and you could pick it back up in that sort of six, seven, uh, dollar mark, that's where you'd probably sort of get stuck into it. But with a PE of 39 relative to forecast 19% uh, earnings growth, it's a high growth business, but you're being asked to pay, pay a high growth price. So just get a little bit, get yourself set and then load up uh, when it comes back off. Okay. All right. That's PWR Holdings, which is ticket code PWH. All right, let's uh, get into property. Nick wanted to know about Dexas, DEX, um, the property management company in REIT. Um, it's integrated its funds of APN property into its platform. Um, Andrew, interesting space, particularly at the moment, given what's going on more broadly on a macro level. So how are you looking at Dexas? Yeah, and I'll talk a bit um, more about REITs uh, tomorrow when uh, I'm on the drop at uh, 9.30, a bit of uh, cross-selling opportunity there. Um, but if you have a look at the performance of REITs over the last 12 months, they're down around 17%. Uh, so they certainly have been under pressure due to um, obviously you know, rising interest rates, etc. But interestingly, we haven't seen unlisted property come off in anywhere near that rate of um, return. So, you know, one or two things is going on. Either the share market is treating REITs like an ATM and uh, because of its listed nature and sort of selling it uh, too expensively, if I can put it that way. In other words, it's sold down too much or 
listed property hasn't had that opportunity to be re-rated. So it's an interesting question. I think it's probably somewhere in the middle, to be frank with you. But if we're dealing with Dexas, uh, interesting business. It's got uh, exposure across uh, industrial office. Uh, it's around 95 to 98% occupancy, weighted average lease of around 4.7 years. You know, the CEO has been increasing their holding over the last 12 months and the gearing isn't too bad because that's brought, what brought a lot of these REITs undone back in 2007 through to 2009. The gearing is only about 27%. Uh, they've also got themselves um, involved in sort of funds management as well. They've gone and bought AMP Capital's Australian real estate and uh, domestic infrastructure business. So lots to like about it, but, but those uh, rising bond yields, albeit, you know, the RBA sort of mucked us around a little bit yesterday. Uh, I, I would just be cautious on this one for the time being until we see what that disconnect between listed versus unlisted property looks like. And dare I say it, maybe think about buying a, um, an ETF that potentially covers a whole range of them, including DEXs. So it's a Which would be what? Uh, well, you'd have to watch tomorrow at 9.30. <laughs> right. In fact, that's 9.30 Queensland time, probably more likely 10.30 our time, I think. Um, all right, you've teased us there. Mark, what are your thoughts then on DEXs? Yeah, look, the REIT sector overall has just been flogged, essentially. Mm. Um, but just broadly, uh, there's really, from what I can, you know, from where some of these things are trading, if you look at the characteristics um, of a lot of these REITs, it doesn't matter how good a quality you are. You've just been hit, you know, painted with the same brush. So. I think there is pretty decent opportunities in this rate sector at the moment. Um, this one's trading at about a 35% discount to NTA. Um, so, you know, unlisted property is going to come back a long, long way, um, you know, to, you know, to even get to where these prices are. These guys have got gearing around 27% of which um, over 65% of it's hedged. So they've got no worries. And they'd be, I would assume that'd be the lower band of the debt equity ratio as well. Um, they picked up an you know, infrastructure and airport. They've diversified into more industrial, which I think uh, is our definitely our preferred space in the REIT sector. Um, but they've got premium buildings as well. These guys didn't, um, this, this occupancy rate, even in the pandemic, they've got places like Chifley Tower, et cetera, didn't drop below 98% you know, in, in the depths of the pandemic. So they've got very high quality properties. Um, they have banked a couple. I think they sold a property in Eagle Street about a year ago. Um, and all these valuations that have come through, you know, they, they're for, these guys are forced to do them. So, you know, I think the market has, has very much just thrown, you know, thrown a few of these high quality rates, um, you know, out when and not really gone through the, the numbers with a fine enough tooth comb. Um, this one with the office particularly, I, you know, I'd probably prefer something like CIP or Goodman Group. Um, in the industrial space, but they are increasing their industrial. So this would be something I'd probably look at, um, you know, as as we sort of start to call a peak in rates, because um, mm. it could have a little bit more downside, because um, you can't fight the volume that's selling at the moment. But I think they're, uh, you know, high quality rates like this are at a, at a, they're at significant discounts, so particularly for long term. So perhaps look to pick it up once you, you feel as though those rates are yeah towards the end towards the end but, of the year. But if you want to pick yeah. up rates now, I think CIP or Goodman's are a better are a better play because the outlook for industrial is stronger as it stands at the moment. All right, but would you be holding it then? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you're right. getting six and a half percent. So yeah. unfranked, but you know. Sorry, Andrew. Just to clarify, that was a hold from you. It's a hold. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's move on to uh, next DC. Um, 
data centers. Um, I guess you could argue this is also in property, really, uh, given their investment there. Um, and uh, it did, what well, it's uh, off around 20% over the past year, has bounced obviously in the last couple of days along with pretty much everything else. Um, but I guess we're looking at also that structural demand for cloud and, and co-location. So Mark, um, what are your thoughts on XTC? It, this is a, it's, you know, a little bit unfortunate. This Obviously, this is kind of like a transurban situation where they've got to spend all the money up front yeah. um, and they'll see the benefits down the line. So from a short-term basis, um, it's probably not, you know, for anyone who's looking for a quick return. Um, but on a long-term basis, this would be the sort of thing that you probably, you know, you'd nibble at consistently over, um, over a long period of time uh, when you get the opportunities. Um, I do worry about this. I think you, there's potential you may get this a little bit cheaper, just as because it's a premium service, um, and and it, you know it is a you know a rate sort of dressed up as a tech company. That it um, you know there may there may be some more downside here um, over the ne- over, over the next six months. But um, I think if you're sort of dollar averaging into this one, I think this has got you know significantly good upside over a, you know over a five year basis. So um, or, and beyond. So. It, it's a definite hold, and then I think you, it's a buy dip situation. But mm. um, I think that uh, those cloud services, you can't really compete. The, the locations these guys have got, um, the services they've got, they've had supply chain issues. So, so I don't know whether you need to be in, in it right now, but it, it's certainly something just to just to keep on your watch list. And every time it seems to seems to look ugly, you probably just pick up a little bit um, on a long term basis because it's a high quality company with great assets. And um, and yeah, they're even though the power costs are going up, they've got a lot of solar across um, a lot of their data centres as well. So, you know, that, that cost saving, um, you know, that cost saving is quite good as well. So, uh, so yeah, uh, a hold for now, but, but yeah, buy on dips. Andrew. It's a bit of a read in SAS clothing, Andrew. <laughs> mm. So, um, again, all the things I just spoke about with REITs before. Uh, I, I'd have a somewhat different slant to mark i'd actually say a break above ten dollars because if you look at the chart you'll see there's been i mean it's obviously gone through it given where the share price is at the moment but prior to the uh, the recent excitement if i can put it that way it seemed to keep on bouncing off ten dollars so i think if you can get sort of if it's got a bit of momentum so in other words you're giving away five percent at the moment but if it's got that momentum and it's on the move uh, i like it too i note the debt's gone up a bit they've gone from about seven percent gearing up to about 25 percent gearing but it is being used productively. The average cost of the debt is only around two and a half percent. The average tenure of the uh, duration, rather, of the debt is about five years. So certainly not too worked up about that side. Ninety-two uh, percent of their revenues recurring. So lots to like about it. But it's it's a hold and it's a buy above ten dollars. Okay. All right. Look for that price because what we're currently at. Where are we? Not far behind. Nine, 9.47. Okay, moving on to Borrell. Roger wanting to know about this um, uh, construction materials and uh, picked up by, uh, well, in fact, the Stokes um, part of their portfolio now. Um, Andrew, once again, and also I guess you'd factor in what's going on with the economy at the moment and how this is likely to play out for the company. Yeah, so what a hot mess uh, Borrell turned out to be. Um, certainly another one of these cautionary tales of Australian companies going offshore and showing uh, the world how they're going to do things. I'm all for aspiration. I want to be really clear about that. 
But uh, unfortunately, the track record of Australian companies going offshore and, uh, and showing people how good we are, and we can all think of examples, CSL, but for every CSL, we are immediately reminded of NAB, Lend, Lease, and plenty of others that have not, and unfortunately, borrows in that pantheon of pain as well. Um, they, uh, as you said, the Stokes family, though, have timed their entry perfectly. They own around 69% of this company now, refocused back in on Australia. Um, and obviously, Borrell have been impacted by floods, COVID lockdowns, energy pricing, supply chain, you know, you name it, they've absolutely copped it. But they've also got good exposure to some of these major infrastructure projects on the go at the moment, Westgate Tunnel, Sydney Hydro, Western Sydney Airport. They just won the Sydney Metro West contract. Uh, they've got a new CEO, the ex-CEO of um, CleanAway, uh, Vic Bansell. And um, so the, 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 there's lots to like about it. I guess where I struggle a little bit, Andrew, is that it's a PE of 25 relative to forecast earnings growth of 13% with all the, the headwinds we just spoke about. And its consensus is three bucks relative to a share price of 276. So in other words, there's a lot of good news baked in or expectation is baked in. And again, dare I mention margin of safety, you don't have a great margin of safety there. So. I think it's a hold, but it's hard to bet against the Stokes family. Just have a look at how Seven Group have performed as a business. And uh, Ryan Stokes is now the chair of this business, drawing a salary, I think, about 16 grand a year. So uh, they certainly committed to put their money where their mouth is. But uh, again, probably one you could buy on a worse day. It's a hold. Okay, Mark. Yeah, I, I again, agree, agree thoroughly with Andrew. Realistically, it... Um, now, with the new management coming in, a lot of it's you know you can you can look at the chart of this and and basically almost ignore it because it's a very different business to what it used to be. Um, and now they've got some you know high quality investors coming in there. Um, I'd be waiting to see. I certainly wouldn't be buying it here. Um, I think you'll probably get it cheaper. Um, as with the REIT sector, you know the building sector will will but just on uh, suspicion probably get hammered at stages over the next six months. Uh, particularly if uh, those economic numbers start to peel back, um, you know, in the US, um, very high debt to equity ratio. Um, it's got a high PE. I, to be honest, I, I don't think I'd be taking the risk. I think I'd probably be, you know, be selling and, and sitting and watching um, and waiting on this one. I think you probably don't really. There's no no real margin of safety. I think for at least six months on this thing. Um, we obviously had James Hardy at the start of the show, and you know it um, it did go to the US, and now you know obviously has done very well over there. I think that that shows that management's probably higher quality. I don't like the fact that they when they sold the US business, they just paid out shareholders and didn't invest in their own business. I think that shows a lack of confidence from management as well. Um, so yeah, for me, I, I, I wouldn't be holding this one um, because I think you know you. The risk reward, whether you know they're pricing in a nice little premium there, they may well be right. But you know, why? I don't think at this stage you need to be taking the risk when you've got you've got um, obviously a far better option. Say, in a pretty in, you know, that's been able to do something this company hasn't. Uh, in James Hardy, uh, that's at, at fairly cheap prices as well. So, mm. um, you know, to to steal Andrew's focus, I mean, something like Ifra is also trading at a very low um, low price at the moment. It's been hammered over the last sort of couple of weeks. Um, if you wanted a diversified um, exposure, we were, we were having a look at that the other day as well, um, given it's fallen off a cliff, but um, sort of trading around about 19 or, 19 or $20. So 
Um, and those that, those infrastructure projects are only flowing through, um, you know, from this. It's this is a thing we're going to realise in perspective. Um, it's only been a you know a couple of years since we've had pandemic, the world's ending into stimulus, back at record highs into bear market. I mean, a lot of things have happened very quickly, and there's a lot of noise out there. Um, you know, diversified like that that infrastructure spending, which was trillion or billion billions or trillions, with you know. It doesn't feed out immediately. Um, I think there was some infrastructure projects that were really only approved by Biden at the start of this year. So that's a good exposure. But yep. this, I'd, you know, I'd be, I'd be selling this. It's too expensive at the moment. And if the Stokes family and the new CEO from CleanAway, who did mm-hmm. a good job there, um, you know, come through with the goods, we'll buy it on the way back up. But I don't see any reason to hold it at the moment. Yeah, clean away, clean it up is what yeah. you're saying. All right, okay. Let's uh, round it out with an ETF. This is the Australian Shares Index, uh, ETF VAS, uh, from Vanguard. Sam wanting to know about this. Andrew, we're going to start with you for obvious reasons. Uh, so what, it's looking to track the ASX 300. No surprise then that it has matched that in terms of having gone backwards this year. Should have gone to Mark. He's, he's pulled the IFRA out of left field. You know? I, mean, <laughs> I thought you'd like that one. Yeah, well, uh, so, sorry, just very briefly on that, we've looked at IFRA and we also don't mind VBuild, VBLD from Vanguard. Um, that's not too bad either because it's got exposure to railways and uh, electricity transmissions. So that might be one for the shopping list as well. Anyway, to the question of hand, VAS, uh, and as Andrew A1 has just pointed out, it focuses on the 300, whereas, of course, the main game here in Australia, the ASX S&P 200, so VAS covers companies 201 to 300 uh, and that has driven a touch more outperformance relative to the 200 and by a touch I'm talking eight basis points. So uh, over the last five years the um, there's a couple of other competitors STW, IOZ and A200 and we'll talk about those in a second but STW is the oldest and you know the, the biggest proxy. Um, it's driven 8.13%, whereas VAS, which has driven 8.21%. So certainly having exposure to the companies 201 to 300 has been helpful. But really, at the end of the day, when we're in this space, it does come down in part to cost. And uh, A200 from BetaShares is running at seven basis points, albeit it's not tracking this particular index. It's uh, tracking um, another index, which is very similar to the ASX 300. You got IOZ at nine basis points, which is tracking the ASX S&P 200, and then State Street at 13 basis points, which is again tracking that ASX S&P 200. So, to me, if you're looking to sort of, am I trying to work out is James Hardy better than Borrell, better than BHP, and you're just saying this is all too hard, why wouldn't you just buy VAS? and have that at one end of your Australian share portfolio exposure and then at the other end, you know, the barbell approach, Mm. you might either choose three or four direct equities or you might uh, choose uh, a different type of ETF. So, Andrew, it's a buy all day, every day because you can't beat the market. You can't beat the market. Or can you, Mark? (laughs) Consistent. I hope so, otherwise I wouldn't have a job. No, I, I do like this one. I'm just going to talk in terms of an index perspective because I think Andrew's obviously, um, you know, I'm, you know about my learned colleague there. He's uh, he's all over it. So I didn't really prepare too much in terms of the, the fees, etc. But 
I think the Australian market overall, um, look, if you're pricing us in US dollar terms, we're, we're down like 26% this year. We've, we've got, you know, relatively low PEs. We've got high dividend yields. Uh, our biggest trading partner is more likely to recover this year than, you know, than it's already, you know, at, at low levels. Um, so, you know, commodities do quite well in, um, in inflationary markets. Um, I think our, our really high quality uh, commodity companies are, are less cyclical than they used to be. Um, so I think the Australian market will probably be the standout, I think, this year uh, overall in, in, in comparison. Um, look, the US is obviously going to bounce harder, but, you know, you've got to look at the fact that the US is still 40% above um, you know, pre-pandemic highs, uh, mm. whereas we're 10% below it. Um, so, and we don't tend to fall into deep recessions. I think we hold, we hold the world record for the longest consecutive economic growth of any first world country. So, um, at some stage, international investors will, will wake up to this because our market, in comparison to uh, many of the other indexes, is very cheap and very reliable. Uh, and a lot of the businesses make money. It's not, you know, not silly things like revenue multiples. So, um, and I think the, you know, a lot of it plays into, uh, you know, the decarbonisation as well as to uh, BHP's point of um, steel production, etc. So, and our, and our banking sector is very stable. So, I think absolutely the Australian market to, is a is a very good buy, particularly on a relative value basis. Mm. So, um, I mean, look, if anything, you know, we've, um, we've been buyers of gear, which is the leverage version, beta shares leverage version of this over, uh, over the last sort of week and a half to two weeks, um, just sort of scaling in on various days. So, um, you know, I, I think we'll, uh, we'll likely be in a range from around about these lows to the underside of the 200 day moving average yep. for the index, but um, for the probably more than likely for the rest of the year. But, I think Australia probably comes out, um, you know, comes out on top on a 12-month basis. All right, so it's a buy from you. Absolutely, yeah. Yep. Okay, good one. Let's summarise then. The second half of the show began with a PWR Holdings. There, it is a hold from Mark Andrew, looking at as a nibble as we go. Uh, Dexas, the REIT there, a hold from Andrew. Uh, Mark also a hold, although he probably prefers playing in the industrial space there for the REITs like Goodman CIP. Uh, next, DC. Andrew refers to this as a REIT in SAS clothing. He's got a hold on it, as does Mark. He sort of sees a long-term nibble for next DC. Uh, Borrell, a hold from Andrew. Uh, Mark has got to sell on it. He thinks it's just too expensive at these levels. And finally there, the uh, the VAS ETF. Um, a buy from Andrew, saying you can't beat the market. It does uh, encompass those, the ASX 300 there. And uh, likewise from Mark, it is a buy saying the Australian market looks comparatively cheap with its global peers. That is the show for today. And we thank our guests, Andrew. Thanks for joining us from DP Wealth Advisory as always. And we'll see you tomorrow, of course. <laughs> it's uh, 9.30, 10.30, 8.30, depending upon where in Australia you are. Looking forward to seeing <laughs> Now you confused us. And Mark, thanks for joining us in Macro. Cheers, no worries. All right, stay with us because coming up in the small caps, uh, AI Media CEO talks us through its recent five-year deal with Seven West Media. Thanks for watching.
The Call is brought to you by CMC Markets, a world-leading online trading platform for CFDs and shares around the globe. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.